Hey everyone, this is Kylie over Driven Guitar Network. What we're listening to now is The Walking Papers. We started in 2012 with Jeff Angel, Benjamin Anderson, Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, and Barrett Martin of The Screaming Trees. Uh, we got together with Jeff today and kind of started off interviewing, just quickly fell into geeking out about all sorts of stuff. Um, I, we were down to talk and it was in a coffee shop, so... The recording's pretty loud. Uh, a bit of background noise and some clunks. My apologies. Today's podcast is brought to you by Righteous Sound Pickups and 920D Custom. They do wiring harnesses, uh, loaded pick guards, and even sell Monty guitars. I hope you enjoy. So is gear your big thing, or is uh, it you know a little bit of everything? Uh, but gear is kind of what I'm uh, centered around. But I'm trying to like you know the, my network kind of started as gear, but also like I'm really trying to get a good uh, behind the kind of scenes look in a way that I guess uh, people don't necessarily normally get. I mean I know there's plenty of things out there, but uh, music industry uh, one of the first. I didn't really know what I was gonna do for artist spotlight thing, and so one of the first ones I did um, was this guy that he, he kind of came up and uh, was, I'm like, why don't I showcase you? I, and he uh, he's a guitar player, he plays in church, and then kind of I gave his background through the mm-hmm. years. His dad left and struggling, and mm-hmm. people making fun of him during high school, and this kind of challenge of becoming, and and finally now he's playing in front of this, uh, the church is like one of the big super churches in uh, Texas. And, mm-hmm. and so just kind of, it just, that story was special. And so that, you know, it's kind of being able to get uh, whatever background I can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is new, so I haven't really developed exactly what I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I definitely want to talk gear mm-hmm. and that type of stuff, but the rest of it is just learning and figuring out like, you know, what really speaks to me. and. Because I don't, I don't know what I want. I don't know what everyone else wants. And, mm-hmm. so. I think people are really depending on, you know, there's definitely a whole batch of people that are more into gear than they are into actually learning how to play, which is a whole other thing. And there's also some guys that I think that are, make some genius music with very little technical ability, but they're like masters of working effects pedals and stuff like that, which is pretty cool and interesting. And I definitely but, um, get caught up in the. Uh, yeah, playing stuff side. I like it. I'm. A, I mean, I was way into, you know, going to. I worked in studios and stuff like that before when I was a kid. Really wanted to understand recording and all that, and I kind of think I do. But then I also, at the end of the day, I think I. Uh, I can get my job done with just a beat up. Sometimes the more beat it is, the better. In my house, and that's where I do. You know, my main thing is writing songs. Is my biggest thing, which. Uh, is uh sometimes the guitar has a guitar either comes with songs in it or it doesn't and sometimes the nicer the guitar the less songs it comes with you I, know what I mean I had that yeah I just got rid of a PRS that was it was amazing so, uh, played amazing sounded amazing it just didn't do it for me yeah it had no soul alright and they make some really good guitars too I guess it just depends on the person but to, to me you know uh, so much more too 
you know, rock and roll and music, a lot of it's like characterizing. It. We were we did a record with uh, Vance Powell in, in uh, Nashville, and he did Jack White's records and oh, cool. Dead Weather. We really liked the the bass sound on the Dead Weather records, and that's how we got him. He also did uh, who's that guy? I'm having it. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, what is it? Some his record was. So old blues guy plays the four string guitar. He wears like overalls and stuff. Just him by his. Fuck, he's huge. He's huge, especially in Europe. I can't remember his name, but he did his records too. But he, uh, his theory on guitar was, uh, I mean, on sound is it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to sound good, doesn't have to sound bad. It just has to sound interesting, right? And I, and I actually. Once you see a guy that's a world-class engineer like that in like Blackbird Studios is like the nicest studios in Nashville, but he'll instead of plugging into the ten thousand dollar effects unit, he'll plug into a eighty dollar effects pedal to on a drum sound. You know what I mean? So it, because it's gonna be more likely to sound interesting than something that's meant to sound perfect. You know? So and so like you know gear is a big part of it but because a lot of that is the gear companies give it me an opportunity to um, expand where you know like what who I've talked to what I can what type of areas I can get to you know mm -hmm. just doing you know and you know I, I agree like getting down to the you know the heart and soul of what Mm -hmm. that means or your song is or what inspires you mm -hmm. is big you know, a lot of the things I ask these builders and kind of uh, <coughs> like what inspires you what gets you going what do you I mean trying to I'm trying to give a really you know personal look not necessarily so much of the gear but the people mm -hmm. that do it the people mm -hmm. that um, yeah gets the you know gets them going and so that so the gear is definitely part of it, but it's um, well, gear can be inspiring. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can plug up. If a guy's never had a reverb pedal and he plugs one in, even the most basic pedal, then all of a sudden he's going to be like, you know, that's going to change the way he plays and it changes inspiration. And I think that that to me, that's like people like, how do you write? I'm like, usually the opposite of how I wrote whatever I just wrote. You know what I mean? You know, so it's like this time it's inspired by. You know, it might be a truck driving over a metal plate in the street, or it might be a, you know, I heard a song and I, you know, I liked the drum beat and that inspired me, or I plugged in and that did this, or, you know, I had a lyric. Sometimes it's the lyrics first, sometimes it's the guitar part first, sometimes it's a drum beat, and every time it's different because it really is just trying to capture lightning in a bottle, anyways. And if you're going around the same exact way every time, I imagine the lightning gets a little dull. You know what I mean? So. And that's kind of why I like this. It's like instead of just really trying to make a formula behind it, it's just like I'm just kind of doing stuff and yeah. seeing how it lands and seeing like what really kind of strikes. And you mm -hmm. know, I, I definitely didn't expect you to be here. I'm super stoked for you. Well, oh, thank you. Um, no, not happy to do it. It doesn't seem like you know. Um, I saw a bunch of tour pictures and stuff. Mm -hmm. Not playing guitar as much this, or is it just the photos that happened to pop oh, up? Oh, I, I didn't play on this whole tour. I played on the last show, so I haven't played this year, which is actually, that's like another thing. It's like, it's funny, it's how your brain works, is uh, by not playing, I think I could recall 
like I think like my brain reorganized stuff and threw certain things away and and so when I picked up I, the kid that we played with is really good I intentionally didn't play because I wanted to change things up keep it interesting not just for the fans but myself right yeah, it's a whole new and, challenge yeah and then um and I've done it before in post-stardom I didn't play guitar live so and I wasn't but I was always a guitar player first and then so then when I put the guitar down for a while and I was watching it was cool in multiple ways one was like watching other dudes play stuff that I played to wear my own if, you, if you're an artist you kind of become a self-deprecating hate on yourself you know feel not like you're not good enough all the time so then you start playing and then that helps it out but then I, when I was listening as a player I never thought it was like great and then when I, people would be like you're really good and I was like I don't really think so you know because you know all your flaws so then when I, t I was like go to pick the guys I'm like who are the best guys I know so I went and found the best players that I know and I started playing with them and when I would see them struggling with stuff that to me is just in, in, it's like in my immediate bag of tricks you know I'm like you know and then to see them struggle with some of those things then I started to go wow maybe I'm better than I think I am you know and then and so I started approaching that that was one way that it really improved my confidence and was going maybe it was kind of maybe I have a voice to my playing that I, I'm not giving in enough credit to myself and then you know what is that and so then I started when I didn't play for a while, and he's playing an old time, and I'm watching him play, and I'm learning little things off of him playing. I'm like, how do you? Learn? How did you learn? And then I'll start to see certain technique things that he does. And I was like, you know, I could go. That's going to cause you problems in the future. You got to get your pinky in there. You're going to not be able to do this or that or other things. And I'd be like, but then if he's doing that, up high on the frets, where I got big old fingers, and then up there it's really struggling. And then you start thinking about. Well, maybe if I just use the two fingers, I could to do more damage. So then, when I when I would be stronger, and so then I hadn't played a guitar, and I thought about that, and then I picked up the guitar again. And what was really cool was like all these like certain patterns and like things that you need to visually memorize and stuff like that. I could remember them really easy because scale forms and stuff yeah so like in the different positions and all that to where before I did like get them convoluted and all kind of cross but then by not thinking about it it's like they all settled and all the other thoughts around them kind of just decayed away and then that the solid the ideas were super solid so then I picked it when I picked it back up I was like oh wow this is really it's like I can just see it and by not looking for it I can find it and that was really inspiring so now like I'm like New Year's, I've been like waking up every morning and playing before I do anything else, which I never done that before either. I usually kind of practice like when I was done with the day, and then sometimes you'll find things going your day that bum you out or this and that. And so instead, I wake up the first thing I do every morning is I uh, meditate and I grab a cup of coffee and I go down and play guitar. So I wake up earlier. And before the world's turned on, I've already got 45 minutes of shredding in. It's hard to make any excuses then, too. Yeah, because you're already started, you know. So um, and there's been a couple of days where I was pulled away, and then I was like, okay, but I was still like, I got to get it in today. But that was a rarity versus like every day struggling to find a place to get it in. And so now I was like, I got a whole little routine that I'm running to try to like you know, certain things that I'm working on, which is really inspiring. And then I'm, now I'm finding that, you know, it's kind of like the, I have other songs that I was trying to finish and I was like, let's go lay down a demo of that. It's easier you know? to do. And since I'm just holding the guitar, 
two or three hours a day, it's starting to happen faster. You know what I mean? So, so each, you know, playing your scales benefits your songwriting too. It's just like the more you're holding the guitar, the more everything in your life's going to improve, I think, you know? And so, like, when, I mean, definitely, like, bringing someone in, someone else in to come play your stuff, I and mean, it gives, you know, they do whole new dimensions that really kind of, you know, inspiring for yourself as well. Unfortunately, where I live, there's, like, no music scene anymore, so it's mm-hmm. hard to find anyone. Where are you at? Um, up in Oak Harbor. Yeah, I'm not sure of that. Is that on the other side? It's North Whitby. Okay, I know where Whitby is. So, does that by Deception Pass? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I live right next to uh, five oh, you get minutes away from Deception. Super inspiring place, too. It is beautiful. Yeah. And so, that's kind of doing this. It's, you know, I moved in this new house and set up this new recording studio for myself. Mm-hmm. And really, like, now I have this whole opportunity to, um, you know, drums. I made sure, like, I need everything so I can do whatever. If someone comes over, then I can, sh- you know, do all the stuff I want with everyone's drummer or whatever, or by myself. Like, I'm going to learn each of these instruments and mm-hmm. just lay down tracks. And That's and cool. So, I feel, uh, so you got a real drum set, and, right? you're, and you're recording it. Yeah, uh, I'm not recording the drum set yet. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm hoping to get there at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not, but I have a real drum set, and I'm going to record it at some point. Uh, record it with, are you, so you're not recording because you don't have the technology, or recording because you don't, you're not I'm confident not. in no, you're I'm just, it. I'm not very, yeah. I'm not good enough yet. I have hardly, barely started playing drums. So yeah, there you go. It, it just, and nobody up there to play with, huh? Not, not a lot of people, no. It's a Navy town, so like. Turn on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a whole lot of heart in the town itself. Yeah. Oh. Are you going to plan on keeping the, I mean, as like the guitarist that's with you, are they only temporary or are you going to... I'm, I'm kind of like, I like playing with them, but I'm not sure if like recording, I might try to record with some different people. But I've done that in the past. You know, I mean, I've had different people playing records and, you know, um, I mean, and that's like kind of how walking boomers are going because I've always had a real free, you know, it's like... I mean, in relationships, certain things are monogamous or whatever you have in a relationship. But when you're playing music, it's like if someone's, if you think someone could come in and inspire you, and other people were like felt territorial about that, they're probably not looking for what's best within your band. You know what I mean? They're probably insecure. You know what I mean? I find myself plateauing oftentimes because it's like, I don't run into as many people. So it's like, what could I do with this? And, nah. I know. It's weird that you say that because I know, like, the guy that I'm playing with. Um, just to this morning I went to go we went to stop by this church service friend of mine's playing drums in the church and uh, he's playing drums in the, he's a great drummer and he's playing drums in the church because he's like I got I just got to play and it's like, like the church at least lets me play every week I get to play six songs and he's like but I need to play to be feel good right and then um, I have this other guy I'm giving guitar lessons so man if I could just find somebody to jam with and I'm like alright well let's go watch this guy play at the church you know, he guys are down, down here in Seattle, though. Right. Well, he isn't. He is oh. the, the guitar player up in uh, Issaquah. Oh, okay. Right? So he come down, but it's like it's like not always where you're at. It's like how are people connecting and what are their expectations? And who's gonna commit? Like, if you ask me, like, what's the you know, what's the best quality a person that, to play in a band with? He's like, what's the most important quality? It's like they show up. You know what I mean? That's the hardest part. So the people make that a priority. Even the guys that I play with sometimes, it's like getting all, who are playing with six piece, getting six people in the fucking room at the same time. Two of the guys live in Spokane. Right? So they come over here. So when we say that we're going to do something, if I say, you know, one time the guy showed up, first time he showed up and he's like, 
I was like, all right, here's the songs, let's run them. And he's like, kind of knew one of them. I was like, I, I was like, are you? I was like, I love you, and you're one of my friends, but I think you're at the wrong gig. Yeah, if a, you come in here and you're expecting me to sit here and hold your hand while you learn these songs, you're talking to the wrong person. If there's, you know, if we're working on a song, that's one thing. But I was like, if, if there's 20 songs to learn and you think I'm going to sit, wait two hours for each, I'm going to wait 40 hours, 50 hours learning these songs with you? No. Yeah, I was like, go get your shit together and come back two weeks from now and know the songs. That, yeah, you I know, mean, I was expect with you guys that would... Yeah, so, <laughs> and, but he's a good enough player to where he just like thinks because he can play that good, he doesn't have to do his homework. Right, and other people think they're good enough that they can just skip a practice or they can do whatever. But it's like, if you got six people that are supposed to show up for a practice, always somebody's going to not show up. You know what I mean? So it's like then when you got that happening, then you start having to do the best you can with the time that you have. Then you start to realize, and the same is true as a songwriter. I've done. I learned this a long time ago. Showing up with people, and I would show up, and I wouldn't have my songs fully baked. You know, and then I'm wasting their time. And then you, you can watch the inspiration. You can watch someone go, "Hey, let's get together and jam." And so you could show up to, to the jam, and you could be, you could show up, and you can go, "Well, let's see what happens." Or you could show up and go, "Let's see what happens." And if nothing happens, I've got a few things here in the bag that we can work on. You know what I mean? So it's like, how can we still make some sort of progress? Because otherwise, people will be like, "I'm wasting my time." showing up here or that wasn't that fun or I felt uninspired when I went I went there and I felt my ideas were deflated when I left you know what I mean yeah, yeah. And, and that'll kill this shit quicker than anything you know what I mean so, so do you sing? no I'd like I wish I could and so I was one of those things like but no definitely um, I you know and probably a bit of the not finding people's definitely probably on me as well um mm -hmm. You know, I work a full-time job. It's not this and mm. travel and mm -hmm. um, travel I, for work. Yeah, I drive basically all around people's town. That'd be tough. Um, and then I was in a band, and the other guitarist uh, he uh, got cancer and had passed away, and so oh, I'd actually sucks, stopped playing guitar for like about a year after that happened, and like kind of so you know a lot of it's just like also not really looking too hard because. Mm -hmm. Dealing with my own set of things, but mm -hmm. um, God, I'm sorry to hear that. It's a fucking bummer. That was, that was a tough one, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I just went from buying gear like crazy to kind of like, you know, not really. But then coming out of it, uh, it was like September. I finally picked it back up and then started just kind of jumping into everything, remembering how much joy, you know playing gave me, you know, looking at gear and just kind of like talking to people, like mm -hmm. that whole community that music brings, whether it's, you know, you're playing or the stuff you're buying and playing it with, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's... Well, and you got your daughter playing too, right? And I just, she got into guitar, or piano yeah. lessons, mm -hmm. we got her a piano, um, we're just now moving the houses, so we were able to take that piano in, and she's absolutely, I signed her for music lessons. And three music lessons later, she signed up for the talent show at school, and she was just pumped mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. you know, she could play like, um, um, like just a small little bit of "Wish You a Merry Christmas" and "Ode to Joy," but she was ready to play in front of the school. Yeah, there you go. Right on. That was Hopefully what, you can get that maybe really jam with her. Yeah, that's I, a good place to. I have been working. Well, yeah, it's. Yeah. And so that was exciting to see that. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Yeah, my uh, I got a couple daughters, but they, and they had piano lessons from their kids. Both of them could sing, and I think oh, my one daughter might be singing and doing some stuff that she just doesn't want to tell me. You know what I mean? But uh, because there's a their mom played too and made records, was on Warner Brothers and stuff too. Oh, really? So it's like so they come from a very. I think that they look at it like like that's just so hard. You know what I mean? They don't look at it like, oh, you're just playing and have fun. They look at it like, God, your lives are so... That's kind of what's expected from them almost. Well, I don't, that, that, more than that, I think that they look at it like, i got to do something different because that, like, that doesn't make tons of money and it's painful and you're traveling all the time and you got to practice at nights and you're... You know, and, and they, I think that they look at it like it's like impossible. They're like, they just look at it like, that's adult shit that I just don't want to deal with. And then they're like, you don't have to do it. And so I think that they, they both enjoy music and they actually had a few years of piano lessons so they can get around they understand the chords and kind of the basic theory of it but they don't they just don't want to and, and my thing too is if someone comes to me if they someone's like hey man i'm 25 and i want to learn how to play guitar and i'm like you're 25 and you, you don't know how to play guitar yet and you want to know it and i was like well you don't want it bad enough to play and i was like and if you do you'll go figure out how to play you know what i mean because it's like it's a there's a certain like, oh, these strings hurt my fingers. Or are you willing? Do you want to play so bad that you're willing to fight through that? You know what I mean? And then uh, you can explain to them. You know, here you'll get past that. But if like if they don't have the drive to the fire to get through that, they won't overcome that. And then you so you can look at a person at a certain age and go, and they would have to have some kind of a pith, you know. Epiphany or an enlightenment to give them the strength to actually take it that seriously, and it, that probably happens, but it's rarer, you know, than you know, like. But if kids are drawn to it, they're drawn to it, and then you almost can't stop it. I actually, I've heard some people say that you should try to like, you know, discourage them. Well, you know, I mean, like hide the guitar. You're like, no, those are for adults. You know what I mean? And then if they're like, no, I really want to play, I'm like, no, you don't. Those are for adults. And they're like, maybe when you're a big boy. We'll break that out and we'll let you play that. And then they, 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 they want it more, right? And then they think that they, but then also when the, you, they do get the opportunity, they're treated like, this is, we're giving you a chance here. This isn't, we're not fucking around. We take this seriously. You have to be mature enough to put the work in. Well, if you, if you give a six year old a guitar, it ends up with the strings broken and in this corner of his room collecting dust. If you like, you know, so I don't think forcing instruments or like just casually giving them to people is one thing but if you're like oh, you have a genuine feedback then they can they're more likely to be successful you know what I mean
lies and stretch them into the truth. My daughter, she would, you know, I tried over the years, like, maybe it was just zero lies. And then we went into a store and she was like, ask me for a glockenspiel. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'll give you, are you interested in lessons? Yeah, maybe piano. Like, if I sign you up, you gotta take it seriously. And then, like I said, the first lesson, she was. How old is she? Nine. Yeah, that's a little bit better than six. Yeah, I mean, I've tried, like, hey, and she's just zero interest. Yeah. But I think maybe I fucked my kids up there because they were going like four or five. You know what I mean? They were they were really young. But it's like, but you know, if you get lessons like that by, you know, you're reading music and playing chords after. You know, nine months in, you know what I mean? And that's like a huge advantage, but maybe I pushed them too hard. I don't know. Well, the way I look at it, I mean, I, re I really wish I was at that age where I didn't care about how I sounded mm. to get past that really... <laughs> in that first bit of when I started playing guitar, I was uh, probably 15. And so, you know, I was self-conscious and I, obviously I sucked. And mm. so my daughter, was like, that part doesn't register. She's just stoked to play. And so mm -hmm. hopefully she'll get past that point of... And yeah. so by the time she's older, she'll actually sound good and be inspired to keep going. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I think I, um, I hated playing live at first. I'm just too nervous, you know, like the reality of it. But now I don't even. Uh, it's just part of the job. Well, you're, you know, I mean, you're playing some big places. Yeah, I've done some, done them all. I'd actually, playing smaller and play. If I had to play to the people in here, it would be a harder gig than playing to. 80,000 people. Yeah, you know, you don't really have to look at one in the face of. Yeah, yeah it becomes one person at that point. And you can go, I figure a few of them are going to like it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the, uh, there, there's going to be a percentage out there that you'll get. Yeah. So that's, and that's who I'm playing for. Not the people that. It, but if there's three, it's maybe not all of them won't like it. Yeah. So, um, off your first record, I mean, especially like, just like looking at the videos that you put out, I mean, you had that Black Les Paul costume. Was that probably a 90s or? A... No, it's a 72. That's a 72. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, I got a, a smoke a deal on it. I knew a guy that was in a band and he had some guitar endorsement, so he was supposed to not play it on stage or something. Oh, gotcha. So he sold it to me for like, I think 800 bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, uh, but then I just beat the hell out of it. So it's that's like, it looked pretty cool. new when I got it, but I probably put a few hundred shows on it and it's like, so it's taking a beat. And, I like know. those though. That's yeah. It's. I mean, the neck's been slat snapped on it like three oh, times. That head yeah. It's such. That's a bad design. <laughs> yeah. A, there's a break angle. Mm -hmm. How do you keep it in tune? I can never well, get a. Well, Gibson I got it really wood. fixed correctly. You know, I mean, splines wood in there. But a lot of people think that. Uh, well, you know, Gibson's. How they yeah, fourteen degree break angle. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, not the on the and on the neck this way. Or the strings. Oh no, the the angle of itself. I thought. But you know how the strings go through the nut and then they bend off. Yeah. Where a fender, they go straight through. Got it. Right. Straight through is a way better design because there's less binding at the nut. So usually, you know, most of the tuning problems on those guitars are all in the uh, nut. Oh really? So if you grease the nut up, you get a good nut for one, not a plastic one like a bone one or something. Right. If you keep that in shape, and the same thing with the bridge. You know, keeping the saddles and then the, the nut on there looped up. So, like, usually when I change it, I do like a little, you know, they have a loop sauce thing that you put, I put like the graphite in there, and it's like even piece of shit guitars can 
be dialed in with that pretty much because it's usually you know if you take the guitar and you're playing and you bend it and then you go behind the thing and you, go, and you just like push on that string like that and it goes you hear the little that's what it is well I do pretty I mean all my guitars I mean they stand to great my Gibson was it was always an animal that I fight on the everybody says it's and it's usually the G string because yeah. it has that big the right. hardest bend out of them the east the high E and the low E are straight across the, and then the A it is, and it's the G right yeah it's, it's always so, the G because that's the lightest one that you're really going to reef on and then uh, it has that hard angle so if you keep that nut right there some nuts always yeah and, it, and always loop that up and it usually seems to help you know what I mean what other um, gear were you using at least back then um, well I got a um, I got a lot of cool guitars, but back then I was using, when I started with the walking papers, I was uh, using, I have a Marshall JMP, like 81. Okay. The two, I like the MK2s, Mark 2s. I, um, I don't like the four hole ones, to me. It's a, the two hole one. I mean, they're yeah, fine, but they're different. You gotta, yeah. those, you gotta crank them to sound good. You know what I mean? Or you have to do that little jump thing. I, I do that with my fenders, but. Yeah. I I have a tough time. I never can make a Marshall sound like I wanted to. I'm, a, I'm kind of a Fender amp. Yeah. Guy. Well, now I have the the Marshalls, which to me are the best. Like if you want ACDC to Metallica, Light the Lightning, it's perfect, right? And it can do all of that, but it's noisy, you know. And it's a uh, to me, I have no luck with anything before. The, the two plug ones, like all the old stuff, what? I don't. I, I've never got a tone out of those that I like, and then their new stuff I don't like. So it's like I just like these certain years that are. Um, that, that it's, it's late seventies, late seventies, early eighties, right? And then and the certain ones that I like are the JMP MK twos, and then they did those sur silver Jubilee ones. Yes, the right? Jubilees are cool. Yeah, and those. Uh, when they did those weird heads that were like halfway, they were like a recreation of those JMPs, and those were pretty good. But then I have, uh, those are great, but I have, they're 50 watts. And like when we were playing where it was too loud, they couldn't keep up, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, you know what I mean? So, um, and then they can't do the clean songs, right? Right, because they only have one channel, you know what I mean? So then I would have to use one, so now I really can use two of them, I can only use one for clean and one for dirty, right? And so then we did a tour and they gave me these uh, the, uh, Fender Supersonics, right? And so, and oh, then, yeah. And those have a great dirty tone, but I don't use it. I just run it clean and then I use a. Uh, so with all the walking paper stuff, I, for, I was using on the record it was the Marshalls, but then live it was the Supersonics. And then now I use the, the Supersonics with the. Uh, um, I use the clean channel and I'm using uh, JHS. That Angry Charlie is basically that's my Marshall Brown yeah. sound comes from it's a recreation from the pedal and so and it sounds pretty good now the amp the dirty sound sounds better but it's one of those things so I could have the dirty channel sound off the amp be the better sound where I can sacrifice five percent of that and be able to go from clean to dirty to clean to the, all in one amp so um so I'm kind of like into that uh, but pedals used to not be able to do that. You know what I mean? Just the quality. But now pedals are just getting so good now that you can have a AC30 and a fucking pedal. And, a, and so it basically comes down to what's the best clean tube amp you can get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I actually just 
recently picked up a Line 6 Helix uh, mm. rack. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the modeling, mm -hmm. but I just said my guy today was just saying the same thing. He, he had Axe effects, and he's like, I like the Helix better. And it's just like, but you know, I got it because it's um, all these pedals I'll never buy, mm -hmm. but it gives me an infinite amount of options that I can do for effects. And you can program it all to change between them. Right, and then so I have my rack, like, and then in my bedroom I have like cables going all around. Mm -hmm. So. I just got, also got recently got a Friedman Dirty Shirley, mm -hmm. which is kind of based off a of JTM 45. I have that. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's really cool. It's a little bit too. Uh, walking papers is a little more bluesy. Yeah, and it's yeah. a little more metal. That one's a little. Yeah. The, ang a, the Angry Charlie, it has that low end to it, but the, the Angry Charlie is a more rock and roll, and the Friedman's more metal. But the Friedman's the only other one that I've heard where I was like. I was like, that's an amp in a box. It's, you know what I mean? I was like, it make you could probably plug it into a PA and it would sound good. Yeah, you know, that's uh... oh, that's the amp. Yeah. No, I am talking about that. The, the pedal itself. Yeah. Have you well, seen those? Yeah, I've seen the. They're great. The, I haven't. I haven't played the pedal. The, They're great. But the Friedman, the Dirty Shirley. Okay, the amp it. itself. Yeah. Uh, I think the amp. No, it's... there's a dirty little secret. That's a Caitlin bred pedal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, I'm sorry. They do do a pedal. They, oh, they yeah, it. I have that. And so, but I think the, um, I think the amp itself is a lot less. Um, I, the um, pedal, I think, is a little more compressed. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a little more metally sounding. Mm -hmm. The um, this is a lot more in that blues realm. Um, mm -hmm. But it can also do one. Well, Cantrell has those Friedmans, and they're the best sounding amps I've ever heard. But you know what they are? They're like the JMP, but they have the ability to switch. Right, to clean the dirty and all that. So you like that? My, that one's a single I love it. It's, um, like I said, I've never been a Marshally fan. Mm -hmm. That amp it might be my favorite. And it's sensitive, like I could just barely roll off the volume and it's clean. Mm -hmm. um, I picked up, I don't know if you saw the showcase I've been doing with the Port City. Mm -hmm. um, so I ordered a uh, Port City as well. And so they're out of North Carolina, it's a 50 watt. Uh, 6L6, um, kind of a Fendry style, mm -hmm. and so, but for, year, for years, my main amp has been a um, 65 Tremolux. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing with the Fenders, like, it's like, what's the deal? Because of, uh, a Deluxe sounds a lot different than a Super Reverb sounds a lot different than a Tweed, you know what I mean, versus a little Blues Junior versus a, you know, they're all so different sounding like some of some of the fenders have a weird kind of punch to it that i don't like on the no, clean no. ones and then i've heard other ones that are like someone's like yeah it's a fender and i'm like i cannot believe that that's a fender like you know like i thought it's like i didn't think that the fender probably does it but i don't think i've ever had the right amp you know if you're playing through a super reverb or you're playing through a twin it's a totally different sound you can make those uh basements sound like a Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. See, and I've tried, and, so, and I've never had any luck. I just got a 66 Pro from my buddy, but it has a, either late 60s or early 70s uh, basement transformer in it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he had pulled the first tube, and then um, there's like this phase switch that he did, basically. It's yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's his trick. Yeah. And just up uh, decibels. And was, it, was he using basement? Was that his thing? Um, I don't, I don't know about the that, but the mods, like the fenders that Stevie would use, he would pull the first two, so that gives you a decibel or two boost, and then there's this phase switch thing that 
So you can just pull the first tube and the amp still works? I guess so. Yeah. It doesn't have an end and it works. I, I just yeah. got it. He's like, you can throw a tube in there if you want. And you didn't have to do anything with it? I have no idea. I, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, there's all those tricks. I don't know about all that shit. I just, I got it. I'm going to leave it how it is. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. I mean, it took me forever to even start using it. Like, now I'm using the Strymons, and I have a switching unit that switches it all. Yeah. And uh, it was actually mostly with the Static Land record. When we made that record, I was like, I wanted to try all these. I want this with the Pog during the chorus, and I want this to drop down to a oh, delay yeah. with the fucking slap back on it during the verse. And I wanted to do those changes, and I wanted to reproduce it live. So then I was like, I got to get a whole system. And I love playing with that stuff for fun, but like live, especially singing and stuff, I'm just like, I need, I don't want the nightmare. So then I was like sacrificing all that to just have a, I created a little box with a tube screamer delay and a tuner. Have you ever seen that? Uh, your box? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, it's, I think it's genius for the right people. I might have a, it's on my, on the Instagram, but it, and it's like if you were doing your thing, it's probably the most interesting thing I have going. People love it. People are like, oh, you're kidding me. The, the Helix I have, it's cool because uh, I like the rack, and, but then there's a, a floor unit for it. And I just sit there and I plug it into my computer and I can, um, oh, so what is rack? Has, there's a, that's, yeah, that's a tube. That's a, a boss chromatic. It's a uh, DD6 chromatic tuner and then it has an AB switch so there's two amps yeah. and out of the top it has a 9 volt so you can power your wall pedal if you want to put a wall pedal in the front but it's all in one box so there's 13 ins and outs that could be a problem there's no you, know, you plug it in with one uh, EIC cord that's awesome. And it's just plugged in. It's done. You could kick it across the stage and nothing will happen. Well, you could uh, spill a drink on it. It's a tank. That's right. And um, it fits in the your guitar case in the underneath the neck. And, and the that's on your case. Instagram. Yeah. I have to go and get. I'll post. have to go and get that picture so I can post it with this. Um, West Coast Customs just did something kind of like that, except. Um, where they just put a bunch of pedals in it, but it doesn't look as rugged as that thing. You know is. what they need to do? They have a. That would make so many problems go away is the, uh, and I can't believe anybody done it, hasn't done it, but they have a, who has it? What's the name of their company? They do the worm. The. It's called the worm, the worm thing, but they they make a, it's a pedal company, super high end. It's called. A, the worm. They only have a few pedals. My friend actually works for them. Um, if I go to his Instagram, I'll probably see it. Have you seen these right to, uh, the Righteous Sound pickups? Mm -mm, I don't know. Um, so there he is. My, uh, I have a buddy here, and I was kind of telling you before, like kind of what started this was I was trying to promote my buddy. Um, he makes these pickups in Gig Harbor. Really? And they're so local guy. He used to work for Waller. He's uh, and all that stuff. And it's this warped vinyl. It's the one pedal they make. Warped vinyl. Do you have a picture of the pedal yeah. itself? That's the pedal I'm talking. It's called oh, Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So what that is is there's a gain, but it's MIDI controllable. They do the tonal recall. Um, but, yeah, but you have to go with that thing to make that thing work. You have to like it. You can set up 110 presets, but you don't know which one is which. You can't name them. You can't see them. You have to do something where you hold down the left and right thing. But it's a MIDI controllable right. gain pedal. Right, so like if you had a, someone basically just took a tube screamer and said, but by MIDI control, you could adjust the volume and all that kind of stuff. All I want is a, I want a 
good game. Like if I could have an angry Charlie that was MIDI controllable, I would be in heaven. Chase Bliss. Chase Bliss, that's it. Yeah, and they're super expensive. That's like a $400 pedal, so I have one. And um, it's great, but you have to be a freaking scientist to program it. You know what I mean? I haven't gotten into the MIDI stuff. It scares me. Well, the Str I use the Strymon on my, uh, I think I sent you the picture. Yeah, the, you have the timeline. I have all three of them. Oh, do you? Time and Mobius and the other thing. Kind of like the same thing, too. It's like with that, but some of the stuff for the tremolos and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's just like it's just not as good as a they're delaying the reverb are fucking great you know what i mean but it's like the the, the tremolos and the uh, phasers and stuff are a little bit too digital for me the, um the, well the thing but though, if you're in a pinch right you can do it but like same thing like that i have the mobius as well yeah but like i don't like controlling stuff on the little screen mm -hmm. the nice thing about the helix it's like i plug it into my computer i pull it up and i'm doing all that i can do all the just Sit here playing. I'm doing the adjustments I want on my nice big screen. That's who makes that? It's a, a Line Six. Right? Yeah, which is so. Actually, funny story. So I got the um, I got the um, my I got the uh, Helix Stomp. So it's like the smaller one from the guy from uh, one of the owners of Friedman. So while I was buying the Dirty Shirley, I was getting it custom made. It's uh, like and. He ordered the Helix Stomp. So what's the Helix Stomp? Which one is it? Is that one? Yeah, that's uh, that's just a floor controller. For the rack? For the rack. See, I don't want a fucking rack. Here, I would, uh, but I don't want that thing sitting on my floor in front of me. I'll no, this it. is... Uh, so it's a little three button. Mm -hmm. And it works pretty much the same. You can't put as many pedals in it. But it's a little... Um, and so I got this from... My buddy Grady has it. I'm actually gonna go pick it up right now. After he, mm -hmm. you're welcome to borrow it if you wanted to. No, I think. I'm, well, I don't know. I'm, been, I'm actually about to go buy a bunch of stuff today. I'm actually gonna buy that. And so what's that? So the computer is where that's you work. That's the same. That's the exact same thing as uh, my Helix rack, except that's it's this little stomp pedal. So it's mm -hmm. the same thing as a Helix, except tiny. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it's like, and you know. He offered it to me for such a cheap price. I was like, all right, I'll get it a shot, because I thought it was all a joke before. Um, and so, I wish I could, um, but you just get these, uh, you can get these chains and build, basically build your um, whole pedal board mm -hmm. and stack pedals on top of pedals. And so you hit this button, and these three pedals turn on. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, and yeah, it's like, I got it from and it just blew my mind how actually good it was working on designing my website. Um, Helix. You build your own website? Yeah, it was uh, um, the one I had sent you. I had um, you use like a yeah, platform. Yeah, Squarespace or who? yeah, Squarespace. I had never done it before, and so um, I was getting. Are you going to Nam? No, I mean I would, but I, where's when is that? And where is it? Uh, next? This next week, Wednesday. Mm. Um, So I, um, I thought it was a joke, but I figured he was selling me this, uh, the Helix Stomp for such a good price. I want some pictures um, that I just buy it and I gave it a shot and it blew my mind how good the effects were. So I got that thing 
I thought it was great, so I immediately bought the bigger version because you could mm. do twice as many. Because basically, you could put like eight virtually pedals on your little stomp in the program it however you want. Well, they kind of have that same thing. They have the thing. So when you're plugging out of there into the computer, are you going by FireWire or something, or are you going uh, by? It, you know that uh, USB cord you use for the printer, mm -hmm. like that little square thing. Yeah, that's what it uses. Mm. And so, um, and then you download this little software, HX Edit, and it basically gives you a line, and then you just put these little blocks, and it's the same as mm -hmm. you get a section of overdrive pedals, so you put this, and then like you put the overdrive pedal over here. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's the same as a pedal board, mm -hmm. except. Well, they do that too. I have like the Boss ES6, ES5, or whatever. Then ES3 though, and then I got the ES3. The, the ES5 is true bypass, right? Everything goes through there, then it goes through. But when you go to ES3, is like has the gains and stuff inside. But I can hear the signal. Like I can hear that you lose the. Oh, you know. Here it is. Well, you can and you can adjust it. You can do the. Like, you can do two drive paths. You can adjust the gains. It's like everything gets digitized anyways to a point, and mm -hmm. so like. Yeah, my actually thing here, this is the thing, I, like I went and played with the, it's like we were talking about inspiration, I went and played with the Axe Effects. You ever played to yeah. it? When I played to it, I was like, when I listened to my dude playing it, and we took like we took like three amps there and we plugged them all in next to it, right? And when you play it to you, you'd be like, oh my god, that sounds exactly like that, right? And then you go, let me see that thing. And then you play it, and then you're like, it feels weird. It feels a little off. Right. And then you're like, and then you sit back, and you're like, nah, I don't like it. And then you go back and you listen to it, and you're like, that sounds great. And then you, so the, and then you go and you play it, and you're like, it does not feel, there's something weird, so it doesn't have the same harmonic relationship with you, the amp and the cap. Are you doing the modeling, or are you doing the, or are you just as an effects amp? No, just using it, like we dialed it in to sound as close to the, this Marshall or this and that, but there's something that's going on, like when you're bending a note and something. I, like. I don't like doing the modeling part of it. Like, mm -hmm. I just use it strictly for effects. Mm -hmm. Like, so I run it into my tube amps, yeah. and then get the delays and stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like so far, so it has like so rock, it has like rock sounds in there, but they kind of probably are weak, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Celestian sells patches though. Like, you can go on Celestian and get these little IR patches that. Sound better, but I, I I use it for my bass. Like I have a bass guitar, but I don't have a bass amp, and so I do my bass demos through there. Mm -hmm. But that's what the program looks like. And you just yeah move those little. Yeah, that's cool. But, and so yeah, so, um, and so, it, so when you're recording at home, you're still recording with the mic. You're still pushing yes, air. I do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I. Um, except for my bass, mm -hmm. um, just out of simplicity. No, I definitely, I have um, SM57s and um, 609s all around my, all around my bedroom. Um, mm -hmm. My like, I have cabs all over my bedroom. They're all mic'd up mm -hmm. for whatever amp I feel like. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I need to play with that. I'm, I'm gonna think I'm gonna go get the. Uh... And like like I said, I went went and worked in the studios, right? when I was a kid you'd sit there and you'd write the songs you'd have the guitar you'd figure out your chords you'd write your lyrics and then you'd play the guitar and sing your thing and then you'd do it like that all totally homegrown and organic and then I was like getting real good at that right and then I got this thing where this, I could get into the I got a four track and I had a drum machine right 
then I could program all the drum machine and I could record the four track and bounce tracks and then sing the vocal later, right? And then I got that going and then I was like, I gotta learn the real studio. And then I went to the studio this thing. We won some battle of the bands and they gave me free time and I made friends with the engineer. And it got to where like I could record, I would be his assistant and I'd help him. And if I did enough, they'd give me the free days that were off, right? So then I go in there and I learn how to work at the studio and then I learn Pro Tools and I learn how to do some Back then you'd have a cut tape and you'd have to line up a simpty time code. You know, like you'd have a code that was like all just like, like live logging into internet when you dial in yeah, you know nice. and then would dial in with the simpty time code so you could have the 24 tracks with 16 more of ADATs and I learned all that right and then I was like this is and then if you'd have you're writing a song and you're like I wonder what that would sound like with the just going different here <laughs> alright and you're like it'd take you a day to program it to do what you could just do grabbing a guitar and just do it right. right so then I got all into that and I was like I learned how to and I made some records at home and this and that but I got really into like you got to record like a band and you just use the thing as a tool so so you get to where you can make a computer sound like a human being or you can just go get a human being and now the computer would take you so long now they got these drum things that are so fast right. you know what I mean and, and everything technology is caught up like because about eight years ago what year is it it's 2019 so 2000, somewhere around 2005, I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to go fucking back to doing it the way I did. So now when I'm working on a recording, I'm working on a song, I just turn my phone on and I just play it. I sit there with the guitar and I play the song and I sing the song all the way through. Right? And then, yeah, uh, like, so how, well, the reason, one of the reasons I mic'd up all my amps is I can turn on the amp. I have a, uh, I think, uh, uh, like the PreSonus rack uh, in, uh, effects of wood. I just like turn up one of the volumes. I, this is my record. I, and mm -hmm. I just like. Somebody using Logic? Is that what that is? I use Logic and uh, I'm a Mac user, so I was like, I'm going to try Logic. And uh, the drum. What's the deal with Logic's free? No, um, it's like it's like 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, it, one of the things about. I'm a Mac guy too, but Mac. I always learned on Pro Tools. That's, I already know how to use Pro Tools so well. I'm not. That's sure. how my buddy Grady is too. He's but and then when you get into Pro Studios, they're all on Pro Tools. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's more and more Logic is they're starting to use it, but Pro Tools is still kind of the main thing. Um, one of the, there's like this automated drummer thing that really latched, and I guess Logic was one of the big things about that was. It, yeah, it'll one. lock up too. That's what they say with Reason. You know about Reason? I do know Reason. Yeah, you know how to use it? No. Yeah, it's like it's the same same thing. I think that Logic talked to it better. But that's the thing. You get into investing one of these, and you know how to use it. But then they're probably neck and neck. Right. All of a sudden, Pro Tools doesn't have Reason. Everybody's like, I like Logic, and the Pro Tools is like, we better get Reason. Oh God, now we got it, and then. Then you're like, now we get the features or whatever they have, and it just kind of goes back and forth. I mean, it's like cars anymore. It's hard to find it. Like, if you're going to go buy a brand new car, it doesn't matter what manufacturer where you get it's like anymore. They're all, they're all pretty good. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's whether you don't want it like this or that, it's like they're all going to run. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm going to go back. See, we have Pro Tools and the PreSonus and all that stuff. We have all that, like in a Mac Mini, mm -hmm. and we use it, but it's like, I don't. I don't want to go to my practice room and work on a song. You know what I mean? And I, I just want to be able to like pull up my laptop. I just want to work on songs. And then now, after those years and I've made many records in my practice room and stuff, I don't ever want to do that again. I want to do it in a, I'll maybe record vocals at home or something, but I want to make it in a big studio. And I want to don't not use this. It used to be that's the problem is people go in there and they don't know how to play the songs. 
if you you know they kind of know the songs and they're going to work it out in the studio and when you had laptops they could do that or you could just like just go is this song ready to be recorded yet probably not you know what i mean so it's like let's jam until it is now if you want to make electronic music or if you're playing by yourself this helps you hear multiple ideas and that's how i used to use the four track you know so it's like if i'm playing guitar at home and i'm working on a demo and i'm like i want to hear a, i have an idea for a guitar melody or i have a, you know i need a harmony on the chorus so i got to get back there but it's a, they, any it's like with any of these things if people use them too much and they learn learn they lose their ability to uh um, if does is it making you stronger or is it making you weaker you know what I mean and the same thing like with the phone with the like I just got this Apple watch thing for Christmas and I got my daughter one so I was like 200 bucks you get your own I would have never bought one and now that I bought <laughs> this thing I'm like this is the best thing that ever happened to me in my world because it's like um, this is it's telling me this thing wants me to be online all day this thing's telling me you've been online too much oh really you know what I mean it's like dude you just screen time time I need that <laughs> yeah they're like you're like and it's like you know your sleep last night sucked buddy you better try to catch up some more and like did you you know it's been an hour since you've stood up you probably be able to move your get your body moving. Really? yeah it'll do all that if you want so it's like it's making me stronger where some of those things as a musician it's like right. I can't play the song all the way you know like you get drummers that sound like they're amazing drummers but they really if you had reproduce it they can't you right. know they so they're doing this I hit it once out of 80 times and it made it sound like I could hit it but it's like you know can you actually accurately hit that and play it you know what I mean right. I mean you guys go on live uh, yeah. there's definitely an expectation out of, out of you guys mm -hmm. well and then it gets to where your band's better then people start going, why are you so much better live than on the record? Well, because by the time you're playing it live, you've rehearsed it enough to know it when you're recording it, stuff before it's ready to be recorded, you know, and then you try it. But even when we record it, it's like we still caught all our basic tracks live, you know what I mean? So it's like we still and are very diligent about like trying, and then what's faster, editing that or just playing it again? You know what I mean? I want that to be shorter or longer. What's going to take you longer to edit it, or can we just go in a room and play it? You know what I mean? And if everybody's there, it's usually playing it's better, and it ends up feeling better by the time you're done anyway. So now I'm like to the whole other point. Like I want to be able to like sing it, play it, everything. And there's been a few songs like on the records where the actual vocals and everything are recorded. And like this, the second post-stardom record, we recorded that song. We had a studio set up in a big room. And it was just a Pro Tools, like a 16 channel. It was like early, like a Digio 2. That's how early it was. And um, we set up all our gear. And every day we just came in and played every song twice. Like, like we were playing the show. And then when we were done, like after about four days, we'd go, we nailed those ones, but those ones don't sound good. Right? And then so then by the 10th day, it was like we had five songs to play. So we played them maybe four times each until we got them so at the day we didn't sit there and play the same song 20 times to where the energy died and so now i hadn't listened to that record in years and i went and i put that record on and i was listening to all this and i was like that's so much better than any record i've made since then in this one way you know what i mean so i've learned other things my harmonies got better i write better lyrics my guitar plays better and all these things but that record has an energy that it was completely lost in the once you sat down and this guy right. played his, you played, and then you overdubbed this part. You, and so those records have overdubs. We overdubbed guitar parts, we overdubbed harmonies, but the nucleus of what those were is just a band playing in the room. Right? There, I mean, it, uh, there is a, an apparent energy about 
a live recording though, versus like, mm-hmm. like you said. I mean, so what you want is the best of both, right? You want the tech to use the advantages of technology and the advantages, and but not forget the wisdom and the, the things that we learned through the years. I think that's true whether you're doing carpentry or whether you're doing this or whether you do, no matter what you're doing, you still need to preserve what's good about the past. And it's like vinyl records. The vinyl records sound better than CDs? I don't really think so, right? Unless you have a great CD player. But you know what, a vinyl, why, why the vinyl record is different? Why it's better than I like, like vinyl? It's because you go like this, you pull it out with the sleeve, you set it down, you put it on. Yeah, there's a whole, whole lot of sexiness behind it. Yeah, and there's because it's like you're putting yourself in the zone of going, I'm going to enjoy some music. And these doing these those simple things, you're going, I paid more for this because I wanted the real thing and I wanted to hear it. And then you put it on, and when it's done, you're like, it's kind of saying, are you still there? And you're like, yeah, I'm still here. And so you pick it up and you turn it on, you put it on. Where, to where, when you do something that's disposable, people don't even appreciate it, which is just, at that right. point, it's just background music, you know? So it's like part of that process. It's like the same thing to where you go, do you know the parable about the guy with the, his horse ran away or whatever? Uh, you know the story? Maybe, I mean, started. Like, well, his horse runs away and his neighbors are going, that's horrible. And he's like, maybe, right? And then it's okay. like the next day his horse comes back and a bunch of wild horses followed it. So now he's got eight horses. Oh. And they're like, and I was like, Is it, isn't that great? You got all these horses. And he's like, maybe. And then the next day the horse kicks his son in the arm and it breaks his son's arm. And he's like, that's horrible. Your son, that, your new horse broke his son's arm. And he's like, is that good or bad? And he's like, it's, he's like, that's horrible, isn't it? And he's like, maybe. Next day the fucking military comes through to draft kids to go to war and his kid is denied because he's got a broken arm, right? So it comes down to all these things. It becomes your attitude and energy about doing it. And if the attitude becomes passive and the whole idea of like, you know, listening to music or playing music is just like a passive experience, making it or, and you're not actually doing the work to earn it, you've already given it a, a, like a glass is half full kind of attitude you've heard of it yeah there's no gratitude in it there's no you know like playing the guitar and then editing it to make it sound good it's never to the artist or to the musician or to the other guys that are going to layer tracks to it it's never going to feel as good as a guy that was actually learned the part and nailed it I when I record I like to I just like if I don't do the whole song like I'll do like more than just like you know like this little bit then like tack it together and stuff but I don't think I've heard that parable, but absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's well, it's the same thing. It's like if it's the way that you're creating and the guy's creating. So, like, if I'm making an idea, that's like I I haven't demoed a record in years. Like, I've just went in and made them. So, I haven't in four records. I haven't made demos before the record, and now I'm like, I don't want to make another record until I totally demo it. And that's and the reason is is because when I demo it, then when I go into the studio, I actually just want to play it and focus on capturing the songs. I'm not create at that point. The writing the songs is done. You know what I mean? What overdubs, what harmonies is going to be is done. I'm not in there to do any of that. I'm in there to just play music and have a guy capture it and get get the the, get the best tones we can get. And then and that's kind of like. Because when you're in there and you're working on all those things, it's like it's almost like people like multitasking. You know, are you multi, you know, are you watching the movie or are you on texting? Because which both one of them, either one of them is going to be, you're probably going to have a spelling error and you're going to miss a key part of the movie. 
you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Yeah. And so, and, and music to me is important enough that I think it deserves no, the it. full focus. You know what I mean? That's it. No, that's a super cool outlook. I mean, are you working on stuff currently then? Yeah. So, but I'm, but probably like always. It's on my phone. Like, so I'm going on, on my phone and I'm playing the entire song all the way through singing it and all the lyrics and everything on this little thing and that's on demo but I want one of those but you know I mean I want to go back but I, I need to have the discipline like I'm so I'm, I think today I'll probably buy an Apollo and the new Pro Tools subscription right for my laptop today so kind of on my plan and then when I get it but then I'm going to be then I'm going to have it and it's going to be sitting there and when it's sitting there I'm still going to treat that like it's my phone so I'll have a, instead of having this microphone, I'll have a real microphone. And instead of having a crappy, whatever my amp sounds like in the room, the amp will sound good. But I'm not gonna, I'm, you know, if I'm editing it, I mean I'm cutting the hiss off the front, not the back, and then, and then calling, giving it a name and saving it something. And I might go, and then I might go, you know, I want to add in a harmony to it. Well, that's, you know, kind of like, like one of the, the reasons I you know, mic'd all these amps, like, if I'm just feeling inspired, I'm just playing, like turn it on, record it, it can go, and that's like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, sometimes my phone doesn't do it right or it doesn't right. clear enough, but I hear something, but I can't quite tell what I just did there. Yeah. Well, there's another thing too, it's like that, like I do, like certain, I'll be just playing guitar and I'll like run my phone sometimes, and I'll go, that's fucking cool. And I was like, I wish that I had just recorded that. And then I was like, if I had just edited that, that, and that, it'd be perfect. See, that's a different way. I got nothing against that. That's totally cool with me too. That's a whole different, like we were talking about earlier, is it a method, is that method is even more pure because it was totally inspired, right? It was spontaneous com composition. Right, and then you just fixed the few little things that you had to, but when you were thinking it, you were like, you're just letting it flow. And that's cool too. So like you can, I'm not. There's no rules to any of this, right? You know, absolutely. Whatever rule gets there. But I think that the, but I think that the one rule that, about it all is that it has to be inspired, right? And it's usually not inspired if a person's doting and over it too much, or if it becomes computer work instead of right. music work. Make it a job or something. Yeah, because I just got to where I'm not doing enough of this, and I'm doing too much of this. And they're like, hey, let's go take a trap. And they're like, okay, we played a song. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna go. And then you're like, oh, come in here, I'm listening. And then they're chopping it up and they're doing all this stuff. And you're like, there went. So we played music for seven minutes, and then we watched some guy play on the computer for 30 minutes. And I was like, I'm not even warmed up in that first seven minutes. If we would have just played for 30 minutes, we would be hot as shit, and then we'd be nailing this. All fired up, yeah. ready to go. And so it's like, do I want a recording of me that's cold, that's been fixed, or do I want a recording of me playing at the peak of my ability? You know what I mean? And what's more likely to to inspire someone else? And so I, I think I've learned some of those lessons already, but I learned it by shutting the computer off, right? And, but then now I think, am I ready to turn, Have I, from what I learned from that, can I, I already know how to run Pro Tools. Can I, so if I turn it on, do I still have the discipline to not like Pro Tools kill that? There's, a, there's that fine line, because I mean, like you said, it's like, you know, I got the Helix because I can have this whole palette of things I can play with, but am I just going to sit there and keep playing with them instead of actually doing something with it? Yeah. Well, there's that too. It's like that thing with the, uh, the thing, if you, if all those things are there and you can just get to playing versus plugging pedals in and out, then, then in that case, it's a tool, it's a tool that's improving, getting you back to doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
you know, kind of same thing. If you're writing songs on there and you're able to play them with the drummer and try them out so that you can jam with the guy and share some music with them, so I think that's great. But is, do you think you'll put that out, or would it be more likely you learn the songs with the guy and you go record them? You know, it's on my phone. I'm not trying to get it perfect. I'm just trying to get a good representation of what it is because we'll go through. If it's good enough, we'll get it perfect. Right. You know, I mean, there's all yeah, there's all sorts of development that happens after after that initial one in it, or should be, yeah. you know, grow like any. When are you guys going on tour again? Oh, nothing on the books right now. We got um, trying to get into making another record, and then there's a couple singles that are coming out. Some, we have a couple songs that have already been recorded. Um, there's a couple tours they're pitching for right now, but you don't always know what you're getting. If you, when you make a record, that first, everybody's interested for a while, so you usually get a couple tours, but we've kind of exhausted the cycle for this record to where you know, when you go to your agent, your agent's like, well, what do you got for me? You know, you're like, what's happening? You know? And you're like, if you're like, oh, we're releasing this and this, and they're like, all right, well, then they use that to sell it to the promoters, and the promoter's like, um, there's going to be a big campaign about pushing the records, and now's the time to have them. And you get double the promotion. I mean, so your first record, I, I mean, I had obvious dynamics. Some were harder, and then the, you know, um, damn it, what's the name of that song? Uh, I just blanked out. Do uh, I couldn't remember C6 Steve earlier. That's the guy I was talking about. stick around from um, the whole world's watching to all stick around I mean, you got that dynamic and this record obviously you do too but your heavier songs seem a bit heavier because mm -hmm. I mean are there any more any kind of that's because we were playing Duff didn't really play on the first record he added bass tracks to a record we made um, you know what I mean and a lot of the songs on the first record I wrote before I knew Barrett so Barrett's like, hey, I got some studio time, and I'm just like, I got some songs, let's jam and see what happens. Um, so the first record was more like, what would happen if I was left to my own devices? And then the second record was more like, okay, now I have this monster rhythm section. And so that was that was the Barrett and yeah. uh, Duffer on that album? Yeah, so I'm like, they're super heavy, and they're, so let's like write songs to shine a light on this you have the strength to use it you know what I mean got it and yeah, so that's why the record got heavier and we were playing live and like figured out you know we got pretty muscular as a band but then now that I'm not playing with them anymore it'll probably change you know? and then we yeah, made that's, it I think that's always that's fun in itself though it's just that like I said dynamics I love dynamics and everything you know, it's a, have you heard the Static Land record? which one's the Static Land? Oh, I have another band called Static Line that I made between. That's actually my most current record. Really? Mm -hmm. Static Lion? Static Land. Oh, Static Land. It's on iTunes. It has like 18 songs. And um, that was that's actually my most recent record. The Walking Papers record was made before this one. But this one came out first. So we made the Walking Papers record. Jeff Angel Static Land. Yeah. Oops. So this, the Walking Papers record was put on hold, and so I went. And the label offered me a deal to make that record, so I went and made that record in between, 
and then the walking that came out, I toured it, and then walking papers came out, and I toured that. But that record is actually the most recent record I made, and so and that one's for, I guess you with probably, a different drummer, and you'll probably want a similar or a different sound than the, the walking paper. Everything's going to sound similar because so it's this you. Is but the, this is the progression from the walking papers. Oh, um, but sometimes the songs, some of those songs I wrote before the walking papers. So. You know, but um, dynamics. Yeah, so it all kind of changes. So the funny thing about the stuff that I do is, it's like it's like we got five or six different or four major bands, but all the still the same dude wrote all the songs, but they just sent, they come out in different with different played and with different people. And who you're playing with it any given time affects the way the song sounds. So even some of the songs that on the first Walking Papers record, like. The Butcher and Already Dead. I had those from 2003. Oh, really? That's how old those songs are. Nine years later, throw it, recorded it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how long it took to. Because I'd made other records in between there, but I thought the songs that I had at the time were more exciting to me at the time, so I just never got around to using them. So, but this record too. So, um, sometimes certain songs actually even didn't even write during that time and then you find out the same is true with Led Zeppelin and all sorts of shit like Led Zeppelin physical graffiti some of those songs are from their first recording session right or the uh, the Beatles Abbey Road people think Abbey Road is their last or Let It Be is their last album but actually Abbey Road's their last album they made Let It Be before Abbey Road I mean well I mean, you got Especially like a juggernaut like the Beatles, you have four minds that creative, and you're putting ten songs probably at most on the albums. Mm -hmm. Imagine there's probably a whole well, like when Prince died. So yeah. All of a sudden, there's this vault full of mm -hmm. all sorts of material. Well, the Beatles broke up, and George Harrison made a triple album. You know what I mean? <laughs> I need this to go away. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how you feel too. I'm a finishing these songs right now and it's just like I need them done so that I can move on to the other one and sometimes I'm just like waiting on one half a verse or something yeah. one line in the chorus I just don't like you know you need to change those couple words and so I'm just like we just got to put something in there just to get it off the plate and then hopefully later on it'll work itself out you know so what do you uh, listen to on your like what's on your iPod, or I guess your phone. Right now, I like this band, uh, Algiers. There's a new band. They're really cool. They have two records. And uh, today, I was listening to. I was like, keep current. I mean, I love, you know, my favorite stuff is probably like Tom Waits and Nick Cave and the Black Sabbath and stuff, and even ACDC, but I can't, I don't listen to ACDC much anymore. You know, but or Pink Floyd, it's like I, those songs are ingrained in my brain, you know. But um, so I do kind of check current stuff. So, like, I'm lately I was listening to like Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and the Kills are kind of they're like 10 years old, but new bands are like uh, um, Shame is a band, and I like this band Algiers, and then I like this other band uh, Ice Age. I listen to like that Kid Cruel, you ever heard of him? Oh, I haven't heard Ice Age or Kid Cruel. And I was listening to uh, so kind of like some of that 
you know, that's some of the newer stuff that I'm listening to, but I also have, you know, I'll be like, ooh, there's that one Tom Petty song that had that cool drum beat, you know, um, and so I'd, I'll go back and I'll listen to that, and I'll be like, so right now I have like four Tom Petty songs that I'm listening to, because I like, just repeat. <laughs> well, a lot of his, like, I don't really care for Free Falling. Yeah, yeah. Right. For a certain song, so certain songs I don't care for, but then he had these, and I'm like, what made him, you know, I'll be like, Breakdown, Refugee, or um, um, Here Comes My Girl, I'll be like, those are the songs that made him cool, and these other songs are, it's like the pinata. The pop charts. Yeah, like stuff. when you hit a pinata, you have the big kids before you with his blindfold on, smack the shit out of that thing, you know, it hit the roof and it came back down, but it didn't get no candy out, then some... A little guy comes up there and barely hits it, but he it's the one that busted it open, right? So it's not always the record that sold 10 million copies that was a good record. Sometimes it was the one before it that only sold they got a half a million that got everybody to go, wow, what are they doing there? And it was the one that made the big hit possible, you know? So sometimes I'll do that and I'll be digging in and listening to you on my playlist that'll be something that's on there or and then there's other bands that I just like kind of always listen to and I did on my 2019 was to listen to more music another band I really like is The Veils I do know The Veils but then I dug into them I don't like their old stuff I like just this one record they made this one really dark record was their last one and I just think it's great so then I'm thinking oh I found this band I'm gonna love it and I go into the four records before it and it's like poppy I um yeah I'm kind of drawn to the darker sadder stuff I, I quit drinking and so for whatever reason I ended up going into like Americana-esque mm-hmm. stuff uh, like Gregory Allen Isakoff and um, you know, people like that and so but and so I find myself listening to that stuff more it's like when I'm playing I'm playing you know rock and blues and mm-hmm. it's like but that mellow sad uh, kind of acoustic stuff is I feel the same way. It's saying what I want to play is some, or what I want to see at this show. Like, would I ever put a Motorhead record on? Never. Would I go to a Motorhead show? Of course, because it's going to be kick your ass. You know what I mean? Same with like some That's local bands. Like, Zeke is a punk rock band. Like, live, I think they're outstanding, but I don't ever want to listen to that when I'm driving in my car. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And so it's like, I'm, yeah, some so. music that, that it's really fun, really boring to play is the best stuff to listen to and other stuff that's really uh, yeah. fun to play you're like is it, it's really fun to play but it isn't all that fun to listen to I, I you know I think like the I think the sad I really like the sad stuff is it's a, like that's what I actually feel and you know one of the things that just makes that little uh, chord inside that like really resonates music makes it matter and, and like that's the sad stuff really kind of how long have you been sober on that drinking? Um, I haven't drank in 2015, I think. Oh, good for you. That's a good stretch. Best decision I ever made. Yeah. I had a friend today that I went and watched play the drums at the church, you know what I'm saying? He's six days sober. Are you sober sober? Oh, yeah. I, I don't uh, smoke weed. I don't drink. I don't, no, I don't, I don't either. Uh, I'm, I've been sober for, since 2000. I mean, almost 10 years now. I had a couple of hiccups, and so, and I well, didn't keep track of the date. As uh, in 2014, I moved out to Hawaii. I almost lost my daughter. I almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back to Washington, got full custody, and uh, mm-hmm. took her, stopped drinking, 
stumbled a bit, but mm. yeah. I did that same thing with my my kids. I went through like a my ex tried to marry a dude that lived in Florida that she only knew for a month, and they were trying to move the kids. I had to fight through all that, and I had a whole other um, episode with her. But then my oldest daughter lived with me for like the last since she was like 13, and then my youngest daughter. Well, I still hang out with her all the time, but she's coming over. But she's a, she stayed with her mom. They have a different bond, which is pretty cool. But I've been, that's one of the main reasons that I've been thinking is like I was just like, didn't want them to ever know me like that. Or I didn't want to be in some position where I might say some shit because I'm angry and I'm drunk and I'm out of control. So I was like, I've avoided that. I've never, I made it through. Uh, they're 18 and 19 and no one has a resentment. They don't have anything that they could be like, but that one time you called me a bitch. And I was like, actually, when does that happen? It's never happened. Or it's like, you know, he had, one time I spanked my dog shitting on the carpet. Shit on the carpet because I Didn't left him in there long, right. too long. And then I was pissed off about it, but I was shit-faced drunk. And I, so I gave him a smack to teach him a lesson. He fucking would not look at me for three days. You know what I mean? Got tough because I was out of control. I hit him too hard. Um, so, granted, he's still, we're still friends, but um, he, had I not learned that lesson with him, I could have been creating the same lesson with my kids. So my kids come in, you're drunk, and they're being a dick, and so you decide to tell them what you think, right. and then for the rest of their lives, they're holding that against you. They get a secret resentment inside of it. It's like, I just didn't want, that, that wasn't an option for me. I was... I was 19 when she was born, and basically from a year old, I had her full time. Mm -hmm. And then I had gotten married to another woman and moved out to Hawaii. And then she had been cheating on me. I had been a mess and doing all sorts of stuff. And I almost lost my daughter from having her full time. Mm -hmm. Realizing, yeah, I can't do it like this. Mm -hmm. So I. At the end of the day, I don't miss it at all. To tell you the truth, I mean, most people when they're drunk, they're fucking driving me crazy. So this guy, I got him, came to me to get sober. I got, got him a job and got him sober, and he was sober for six months. Lost 40 pounds. Just for, like, all not the drinking. sugar. All the sugar, and then he was working hard, too. And then, like, I went on tour, and he was just, like, not showing up for work. And people kind of was like, what's up with this guy? <clears throat> so I got wind. You know, I called him, and he was like, yeah, I had some drinks. And I was like, he's just like... Within a month, his whole, he was backed up to a fucking fifth of vodka a day, you know. And so I went over to his house about a week ago. I mean, I decided, I was like, I'm just going to go. I lost it. I mean, I've, I've lost a few friends, but I lost a really close friend about a year and a half ago to the same thing. Yeah. And so he, so I went to him and I was like, uh, I was like, I'm going to go to his house every morning until he gets straight. And I go to his house a couple times, knock on the door, he doesn't wake up, you know, nobody answers. And finally I caught him one day and he was just like, felt like shit. So I was like, he's like, what? I'm like, what are you doing today? He was like, yeah, I want to quit. And I was like, really? You do? I was like, well, what are you doing? Today? And he's like, well, I got nothing going on. I was like, well, you're fucking hanging out with me all day long. I'm going to make sure you just We'll just hang out. We're rolling. That's cool. I did what I was doing. He stayed with me. And I was like, and he was like, I got one stash. And I was like, and I was like, and he was like, and that's it. And I was like, well, fucking pour that shit out. So he poured it out. Then he made it and the next morning. I was, like, I was like, what are you doing today? You know, and I'm like, I'm on you. Can you make it? Not drinking today? Do you need my help? And he was like, 
you know, he was like, I'll probably need some help, so I helped him. I hung out with him. He was key as a kid, and they were like, well, she says she's not going to come over because my car is broken down. I was like, I'll go pick him up for you. Let's go get him. You know what I mean? So I go get him, and he has his kids for the weekend, so then I know he's solid. He's staying out of trouble for the weekend. And then, so we got him through, back to work, and he's got a little over a week now, you know. So that's when I was down there at the church. He, he called him back up and playing, so it's like, I'm like, so in your 20s or 30s, you're still drinking, you're fucking around. You get in your 40s, that shit will kill you. You know, if you're drinking a fifth a day, you've maybe got a year left if you don't stop. You know what I mean? Unless you're just like some freak of nature. You know, that's... You know, so it's like a... It's not, yeah, it's nice not to be drinking. <laughs> I just do not give a fuck about it. And like, I went to his house, looked like a train wreck tornado came through there and when you get the bigger the pile of shit that you've created for yourself is the harder it is to see the way out of it you know so i basically just grabbed her and, like, and you know what super sweet guy he owns a nice house he's so many people are yeah, and, and he has so much going for him but he's depressed you know because he's he loves his own inner dialogue just beats himself up so bad that he can't even see all these people. He's got a cool son, beautiful son. He's got a good job with a bunch of people that care about him, work. He's got a house that he owns in the city of Seattle where it ain't easy to own a house, and he rents out half of it, so his rent's like 500 bucks a month. You know what I mean? He's like got all these cool things going on, but something will come up like, my car broke down, and it's just like, my life's going to shit. What am I going to jump 500 bucks in the hole on it? You know, and you're like, dude, you know, there's people that are pretty good in their have their homeless and I'm like you know it's like you stop going to work you stop paying that mortgage next thing you know you're living in a, under a fucking blue tarp and you don't get that shit straight it's tough talking to people like that it's oh this is wrong and this is and, it's, and like you're like looking at them it's like it's all you just like, shit happens yeah. let it roll keep on walking yeah. it'll be alright the better you get a dealer the more you deal with it, the better you get at dealing with shit. You know? Isn't that awful? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I'm not regretful. To me, I mean, I did some stupid shit when I was young, but I've done stupid shit sober, but it's like I survived, I dodged a bullet, you know what I mean? But I did get pretty fucking bad there for a while, but, and I was just like, I don't want to be that guy, you know? And now it's like, I also looked at it like, you know, I got... I do my music, I have a couple bands, I got my kids, I got, um, I run a construction company, I'm doing all these things, right, and I'm doing all those things that I'm like, I can't do them all, right, something's got to go, so what's it going to be, being a dad, or is it going to be playing music, or is it going to be the job, no, there's only one thing, those three don't sound like this, yeah, there's only one that's worth, it's the drugging and drinking, that's the only one that's, that I can let go in my situation only through. And the first thing I did when I was sober for a month, because I used to spend like, you know, 12, 1600 bucks a month. That's how much drinking and drugging I was for years, right? So the first thing I did was like, okay, if I make it a month, I get a new guitar, you know? So I was like, I went and bought a Gibson uh, Firebird custom, like a white one. I don't even play it, it's beautiful. But it's not, you can't even play it, it's impossible. But it's so cool. Looking. I have a Gretsch like that. Um, it's as this Koa Gretsch. It's uh, the 6120, it's all, all Koa. Doesn't play for shit, mm-hmm. but it looks cool. Yeah. So it's like, you know, but then I was like, when I look at things like that, I'm like, then I started going, I work at that time with what I was doing. I was like, I work like a full week out of my four weeks in a month just to pay 
For cigarettes, pot, booze, cocaine, here and there, it's a pill. I worked a week. And if, if you said to me, if you said to me, like, hey, front, will you work a week for this stuff now? And, you know, then I, and I could see the math. I would have been like, hell no. no yes. All I got to do is stay sober for a month and I don't have to go to work for one week. And I was like, done, deal. You know what I mean? And you start looking at it differently yeah. like that. And then it, you know. I mean, I had a house, I drank, I'm going to have a house again now here in Seattle, but a house in Tacoma, and I drank it away. I fucking just, I just, well, I, you know, I had some renters fucked me over and this and that, and I got behind on some payments, and I was just like, couldn't go. Yeah, so I, and I, I mean, I did a short sale or whatever, they did, worked a deal with me, so I didn't have a foreclosure or anything, but like, I could have just like, not drank, and I could have paid the rent on there, no problem. You know what I mean? Like, and I could have lived, paid rent on another place and still paid the rent on that because it was just a rental, you know. And it's a beautiful house, but it's like because of my, I just could not see that as an option because you know, I was so clouded by my brain wanting out the radio. Yeah.
I want to ask, like, the dog isn't is that hard on the tour? But it doesn't seem like tours no. are the well, same. It doesn't seem like tours are that. Everybody, so uh, like keyboard player gets sober, but he since we're out there, he hardly partakes. A couple of crew guys drink, but at this point, when I see people and they're fucked up. It makes me yeah, less sad. Yeah, I like. I'm like, dude, you, I'm standing next to people, and I'm like, you've told me the same story three fucking times. I gotta go. You know what I mean? And it's like they, them being so fucked up, they force me to have to be rude to end the conversation because it's going nowhere and it's a waste of my fucking time. And they're not gonna remember it. I remember my family like, don't you like I was playing in a band months sober and like just playing the dingy dive bar don't you have a hard time there no so it's just like a bunch of sad looking people that's more of an example I was doing this in the mission institution I was playing these shows we played for like three or four hours and I could watch like a beautiful attractive girl come into the club and then like two hours later she's being carried out of there you know and I could see this all taking place for me in front of the stage because I'm playing the whole night so I'm just watching those people and I could see people go from you know starting out as seem like normal people at the end they're just zombies making complete asses out of themselves and they probably want to drink again tomorrow just to for, if they can remember what happened tonight you know what I mean and it's just so ugly to see it I mean the only hard part about it is like sometimes I feel like that it's like I'm I feel like I'm contributing to that or something. You know what I mean? Because you're at, out there selling booze is what you're doing when you're playing a club. You know, they get that you're there for one reason. You know what I mean? You're to, to attract people into the Venus flytrap. You know what I mean? And it's like a, so I don't know. It's it's a weird deal. But I've, I've never had a problem staying sober on the tour. And, and there's been a few times that I've been on the tour and people have gotten fucked up and got themselves into trouble, like big trouble, because they don't know where they are. They're drinking and they're in a city they don't know where they're at or someone decides that you know they're gonna get with some creepy chick then they have a girlfriend at home and it's like all this kind of stuff so it's like that's worse for the kind of i mean kind of I don't, I don't make those mistakes you know like i'm not out third tour or anything but like just the perspective like obviously you know you hear the stories led zeppelin and all the other trash the whole doesn't really i mean it seems like I mean, everyone these days are like, if you're going to be at the level of selling out or like the level of amount of people you're bringing into shows and stuff like that, it's a, this is a job and a business and we have to, you know, uh, handle it. It's one of the few businesses where they actually celebrate it. You know, and I had to, I actually got sober. A guy was a manager guy and I was like, I was like, dude, I think I'm ready to get sober. Can you help me out? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm glad you called me. He's like, he's like, you're, uh, he's like, have you ever noticed that I wasn't really returning your phone calls? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, it's because you were, he's like, you used to be elegantly wasted in years, and then you just became fucking pathetic. He's like, I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want to hear sober or drunk. You were just a fucking miserable asshole. And he's like, so if you want to get sober, I'll help you out. And they had a music care thing put me into a rehab. So I went to a rehab for a month and like, um, they straightened me out and it's like since then all these people came out of the woodwork like all these musicians that I knew that I didn't even know were sober I was playing in a band with a drummer that was like six years sober and I didn't even notice because he was he was like yeah I'm sober it pops up so much I, just, I yeah. read articles and whatnot I'm like oh Keith Richards is sober Keith Richards has just come on like two years ago. He's like, he doesn't drink. So Keith Richards doesn't drink. I mean, I don't know that he's completely sober. I think he might smoke weed or something. But yeah. it's like, he's fucking Keith Richards. Right. You know what I mean? And the, it's like, so it's the like, weed, weed's one of those ones that's like, well, yeah. but yeah, I got Well, you. to me, it's, it's altering your consciousness, right? To, I don't. 
Yeah, I don't. I can't because the reason I can't is because I, I know where it will take me. If I had the ability to do, because I'm an addict, I'm not a fucking. It's not just one. It's not alcohol or coke. Or, it's anything. It's anything that like that allows my ego to have a fucking I, check. I'm that exact same way, except for weed. I just every time I did it, I would just be like licking salt off my hands and like, mm. what am I doing? Like, like just like Johnny's like. Just this absolute zombie, like so, like it just ne- never did it for me. Well, then you're luck to me. But everything else, I, to, I mean, that's the, that's the only thing. That's like. See, I have friends like that too. They're like, I will smoke weed, then I have to sit there and concentrate on breathing. <laughs> I mean, to me, I, I some people smoke it and they. I mean, I know what each drug does to your brain chemistry. So, and what marijuana does is it shuts off your per- peripheral thoughts. Right. So basically, if you're focused, whatever you're focused on, you'll be hyper focused on, on that. So if what you're hyper focused on is anxiety, you're going to have a fucking panic attack. If you're hyper focused on TV, you're going to become a fucking couch potato. But if you're hyper focused on being creative, if you're hyper focused on being creative, it shuts off your focus of like. Uh, life responsibilities so that you only focus on being creative and then your other things start falling apart but same thing it's like this I don't know I say this and people want to be pissed off or whatever but it's like there's a pretty serious homeless part problem here in Seattle have you noticed did you notice that it almost if you looked at that on a graph at the same time that they legalized marijuana it's almost fucking parallel it's pretty much exactly the same time they made marijuana legal oh really that's or, or not criminal and then at the same time they put booze in grocery stores and not in state funded things so making booze accessible that many more hours a day right and it, so anybody that wants to tell me that, that that's not a variable in those this homeless problem is someone that either works for Anheuser Bush or is someone that drinks and smokes weed and doesn't want it to be illegal but anybody that actually that actually cares would actually see that all those people because if you're in a fucking tent and you're stoned if you're in a tent out there living under the viaduct you're homeless okay if you're stoned you're urban camping you know what I'm saying you're fucking urban camping because that's what pot does to you so those people can't see that, that what the, their situation looks to a sober person driving by and what their situation looks to to them in there if they're high is a different if you're high you don't give a fuck showering is not a priority right you know yeah so um getting high as the priority and so if you're sober you're like you know having a shower and having a comfortable place has something to do with your fucking peace of mind so they can't see it and it's, and it's like whole, and people that profit from it or people that don't want it to interfere with their what's comfortable comfortable to them don't want to see it and the reality is is that a large part of the population doesn't have the ability to uh, drink or do drugs responsibly so if we could do lsd responsibly then you know like if you're elon musk and you can dose every couple months and it makes you more creative then get more power to you you give me you give me one beer and by the later that night i'm gonna have yeah i'm not i'm the same way it's like I, what's the point of drinking one beer? I need all the beers. I was um, I was a commercial diver for a long time. Is that what it is? Yeah. What's the point of drinking one beer? All the beers? That's the point? No. Ah. No, I was, yeah, well, I was leading up to it. 
Um, and so I got hurt. Like I ripped out my shoulder and stuff. So mm-hmm. I get when I really started, it was like painkillers and stuff and drinking. And it just, like I said, just led into that chaos and sadness and pathetic. Well, and then your chem- your brain chemistry gets different. So when you're not high, you're bummed out. Spend all your serotonin in bank account the night before, you know. So, yeah, I'm a, uh, so I, I mean, to me, that's me. People that I wish that I could go Friday night and go. You know what? Day, work week, work week's done. I'm gonna so have a drink. Beer. Yeah, no, I don't have that. No, you know what I'm saying? I don't. If I, yeah. I'm gonna drink all day long every day. I had made a record with this guy. It's funny as I was talking to him the other day, and we were talking that record I was telling you about earlier, and how we nailed that energy. And I was like, oh, man, I was really stoned during that record. He was like, don't forget the fucking sparks. You know what sparks is? Yeah, that was the energy. Yeah, that energy. I was drinking those all day long. So that's so disgusting. So you're like jacked up, like you're on Red Bulls, and you're fucking drunk on malt liquor, and and stone the whole time. I was completely fucked up. If you look at the pictures of those shows, it's like just hanging out in the studio, just wearing a pair of pants, no shoes. My hair is growing. I got a big old greasy fucking beard, just smelling up the place. You know, that's cool. They, I mean, go. Probably going back at your discography of all the albums you created, like seeing these different life points with yourself. I mean, do you ever go back and let, like listen to your own stuff, or are you just kind of like I, I, that seems well, kind of I do a lot. Both because, cool yeah, and weird to me. It is both, yeah. you know. But and it's actually cool to I have to to see if I'm making progress, but also to check on it because I'm actually not. I'm proud of all all the ones I made, and one of the biggest things that I'm proud of is that I, I haven't, in my opinion, haven't made uh, bad, put out a bad song yet. There's been a couple of recordings that could have been better, but it's like, in my opinion, they still all stand up. They don't, they're not timed where you're like, that's 2007. You know, it doesn't like, oh, gotcha. well, that's yeah, when yeah. he was trying to rip off the strokes. That's when he was trying to be Limp Bizkit. You right, know, it's just, it's my thing. Do you have a rap rock era? Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's all there. So then when I do the, uh, listen back to him and I see, you know, I, like I was listening to Run Record, which made me go, I need to demo records because I learned that by listening back to that record. And that's how it would improve. But then, so I went through that whole, uh, a lot of times people are like, what do you listen to? I listen to a lot of what I'm working on. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's eating up a big diet of what I'm doing because I have to go, what's good about this? Is that too fast, too slow? Am I singing too high? You know, I'm constantly. So like I can be driving to work and working on music or I can be going to do something and someone else is just listening to Billie Jean or I'm listening to what I'm working on. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting, but then when I listen to old records, it's totally a snapshot of where you were at the time, the relationship, like, I can remember where I was, when it happened, what was going on in my life, who was I dating, what was I, you know, it's all right there in the, in the DNA of what, you know, recordings are watermarked. Right. I, that's I how was, they can do the sear, the, uh, I was just thinking back to old songs and like, yeah, to, yeah but they can do that, and, and that's half of what people like. The music that they do. I mean, that's you, you know. I mean, you have a watermark for yourself, and then also your fans like mm-hmm. the same, probably the same stuff. It's like, yeah, that's. I mean, well, you know, looking back at any song, like at what point in your life was it special, and whether it was yours or someone else's song that was relevant. Yeah. And you were just recently married too, right? Yeah, but I've been with the same girl for nine years. Because I think um, we have a, a mutual friend, um, Ed. Ed Maloney. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, guy. So, so that I saw that. 
Barbara about 99, our 99 club. Yeah, I was just talking to Ed. I'm actually trying to hook him up because we're building a theater in Des Moines. Ooh. It's going to be a studio and a theater, and it's going to have 17 apartments. So um, it's going to basically be a playground. So I'm kind of telling him, stick with me, and we'll get you running the, the restaurant bar. It would be awesome. Yeah, I love it. He's a great dude. I, um, I have a buddy who's, I think I met, well, the one that was up here last week and the one that brought the pro. Uh, he's a killer blues player, and so he'd play at 99. That's, I introduced Ed to me from, through him, but yeah, he's, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah, he's really cool. I like him a lot. I actually consider him, you know, he's across the line in the family at this point, you know what I mean? Uh, a few people like that. Um. I'm, I'm sure we've gone way past. You said you yeah. had an hour, so yeah, I, and I appreciate it. Hey guys, that was Jeff Angel with the Walking Papers. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I know I sure did. So this week we have Nam coming up. I'm hoping to show you guys all sorts of cool stuff for that. And you know, also we got the Port City giveaway that's happening tomorrow for 15% off. I hope you went over to their Facebook page and gave them a like, so you were entered to win. The following week I'm doing. Uh, a giveaway on my Analog Man by comp, which will be pretty sweet. Uh, all you have to do is go over, sign up for the newsletter on the Overdriven Guitar Network website, and you'll be entered to win on that. Got some more cool stuff coming up, uh, probably beginning of February. Uh, 920D Custom, Righteous Sound Pickups, Sinusoid, Pelican Noise uh, Works. We're doing some stuff and possibly some more people. So your eyes and ears on that. Hope you enjoyed this. Thanks. Sure.